Robin drags in thin breaths of stuffy air before puffing it out quickly. Dust dances in the foot of a sunbeam. Robin tries not to imagine those tiny specks filling her lungs, weighing her down. Outside, the Manchester pavement is grey and wet, but the air carries a tang of freshness, a flirtation with spring. Robin won't feel this. She won't let the dampness tingle against her skin. It won't slowly sink into the cotton of her faded black T-shirt. A bus rushes past the window, spraying the front of her house and its nearest neighbours with a burst of puddle water temporarily turned into surf. But Robin doesn't see this. She only hears the gush of water and the irritation of the woman whose jeans got fucking soaked. Robin did not go out yesterday, and she will not leave her house today. Bar fire or flood, she'll still be inside tomorrow, just as she has been inside for nearly three years. Until a few weeks ago, everything in Robin's world was fine and safe, a cosy shell. She still spends her days pacing her three-bedroom prison, watching television, lifting weights, and aimlessly searching the internet. But now, a new fear sits on her shoulder throughout. Robin is careful and controlled. She answers her door only by prior appointment. Deliveries that arrive outside of designated time slots get lugged back to the depot by frustrated drivers. Unexpected parcels are left unclaimed. There is an election soon, but Robin is not interested in debating with an earnest enthusiast in a bad suit shuffling on her doorstep. Someone is knocking on her door right now. They were polite at first, but now they're building to a crescendo of desperation. Or rage. Robin stares forward at the television in grim determination, jaw jutting her head. The screen is filled with bright colours, and mild voices, television for toddlers. The minutes are filled with stories of triumph in simple tasks, of helping friends or learning a cheerful new skill. There is no baddie, there is no guilt or fear. Everyone is happy. As the knocks grow more frantic, Robin deliberately takes a deep breath. She focuses on her chest filling and expanding and the slow seeping of air back out between her teeth. Still, she stares doggedly at the screen. People have been angry with her before. When she couldn't fight them anymore, she ran. This time, she ran herself into a corner. My child has been torn from me and there's nothing I can do. Four days ago she walked off, happily holding her uncle's hand, and that's almost the last I've seen of her golden hair, doe eyes and tiny pink nose. Violet was smiling and oblivious as she left me. She waved while I was firmly seated at my dining table and confronted with accusation after accusation, with no right of reply. Jim was flanked by his parents. We'd just eaten a family lunch that I'd spent all morning cooking. 
Instead of letting me clear the plates, as I usually would, Jim had cleared his throat, nodded to his brother to take Violet away, and started reading out his list, line after line, like bullets. For a moment afterward, we all sat in stunned silence until Jim looked at his mum and, on seeing her nod of encouragement, said, Let's not drag this out. You need to pack your things and get out of here. We found you somewhere to stay until you get on your feet. I was marched upstairs, hands on my back. They watched me while I packed my bags. Then Jim and his father escorted me from my home and into a taxi, where I spent fifteen minutes dumbly staring out of the windscreen, too shocked to even cry. As the window vibrated against my cheek, the blood drained from my skin. In my mind, I went over and over the list Jim had read out, trying to make sense of it. One. Jealousy. I thought he was going to say more, but he'd said the word jealousy alone, quietly and firmly, without taking his eyes off the piece of paper in his hands. At that point, I still thought the whole thing might be some kind of joke. His mother and father at the dinner table, his normally pally younger brother in another room with Violet. But no punchline came. Instead, he just carried on reading his list. His parents sat there with their hands in their laps, curled in on themselves, while their son made terrible claims about me. About me and our almost four-year-old. Jim thinks I was jealous of his affection for Violet. Jealous of their bond, which was apparent from the earliest days. Jealous that he would come in from work and say, Where's my girl? And mean her. Our little baby. And even though I had nourished her all day, run ragged trying to do everything in the house single-handed while my koala baby stuck to me, as soon as she saw Jim come through the door at 6.15pm, up her little arms would shoot and she'd make monkey-like straining noises as she tried to reach him.